Hey, it's Kim, and today I want to share and introduce an amazing podcast created by my friend and fellow podcaster, the delightful Emma Isaacs. Her show, Creative Ways, is filled with inspiring interviews with successful creatives who have followed that feeling. This show looks at how to design a life that's truly fulfilling, giving the world what you've been gifted and getting paid to do what you love every day. A little bit about Emma. She's a UK-based pattern surface designer who loves bold colors, patterns, and life. Emma has been lucky enough to draw and paint for 19 years for the stationery and bedding industry, including designing in-house for three major international companies, plus a design manager for a major retail account. Besides being an amazingly creative freelancer and podcaster, she's also a mom to two small, beautiful, and mischievous humans. (laughs) She and her family live in a beautiful village in the UK. I met Emma over a year ago when she reached out to me about podcasting. We had a great connection immediately, and I'm thrilled that she's now part of a very powerful all-woman mastermind group that I'm in. We have so much fun helping each other as female entrepreneurs. I really don't know what I'd do without her and the other women in that group. Be sure to subscribe to Creative Ways wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss one of Emma's delightful shows. Please enjoy this episode, which introduces you to Creative Ways. Emma's guest is someone you just might recognize. Welcome to the Creative Ways podcast. If you're a surface pattern designer, a painter, singer, photographer, spoken word artist, a sculptor, a maker who loves to sew. Whatever your creative calling is, this show will help you create the life you truly deserve. Think of this podcast as a weekly dose of uplifting and inspiring creative conversations, filled with the advice and tactical tips to help you with the tools you need to keep you on your creative journey. I'm Emma Isaacs and I've been lucky enough to make a living doing what I love for 19 years now both freelance designing and in-house for worldwide design brands such as Marks & Spencer's, Disney, Hallmark, John Lewis, all of the supermarkets, and I was lucky enough to be the design manager for the Sainsbury's team. So of course working in the industry means I've interviewed many extremely successful creatives, both my friends and other pure talented creatives who I've met along the way. The path to success or failure is the same path, you've just got to stay on it, and I'm here to help you do just that. Right, let's do this. Hi everyone, how's your week been? I hope you've been well and healthy. I know it's been a tough week for a lot of people. As you know from last week, I've had lots of messages from creatives who's really been struggling right now and put real pressure on themselves because they just aren't creating. I've struggled this week too, as I've been on my own with my two children, both under six and one's got ADHD, while I was trying to school my eldest. So as much as I know this can be a strength and not a setback, it's been a real setback this week, I can tell you. Oh, kids know all the tricks, don't they, of how to get out of schoolwork. At one point, I was being bribed that if she did her work, then I would get to give her an extra ice lolly. And each day I've been doing Joe Wicks, I'm sure he secretly hates us all, whilst my children are sat on the settee watching. How does that work? And then I'm working at night, so it's been a bit of a tough one. 
I've just concentrated on small design jobs that I needed to do and done my big work at the weekend while Luke wasn't working. But it's not been my best work, I can tell you. I'm just keeping on showing up and creating as I know how important that is. My lovely friend Carl, who's coming on the podcast soon, arranged an art swap with 20 designers. There was no brief, just to cheer someone up. Like a secret Santa, we all got a name out of the hat. And Carl printed and sent each one out in the post. So we all got a gift to cheer us up. And we all got a need and a purpose that week, which I think we all needed. I really recommend it. If any of you needs a group project right now and you know a few few friends, um, we all know that we're more committed when we say to somebody and we're going to show up more. And it was just another example of how powerful art is. So with all this general atmosphere and creative blocks and feelings in mind, I thought Kim Floden would be a perfect guest. I've been in a mastermind group with her for a long time now. I met Kim on a journey to creating a podcast. She was so warm and helpful and we've become great friends. I want you to hear Kim's story because she's a healer, a Reiki healer, but also a colouring book healing coach. Kim has been through such a lot in her years and she's completely drastically changed her life on the fast lane in a high powered job to one that's more aligned with her true self. Kim used to have extreme asthma throughout her life from the age of two. She had to take two lots of pills and three inhalers every day and carry one at all times. Kim had endometriosis in her late 30s and had to have a subtotal hysterectomy, but this was no little one. It was a massive five-hour surgery as they found a huge tumour. Then, if that's not enough, when she was 40, Kim had an extremely bad case of bacteria pneumonia. She was hospitalised and off work for months and months. It was around that time that Kim found a homeopath who started her on an amazing journey that's completely changed her life. This was all nearly 20 years ago, and she hasn't had a single pill or inhaler or any medication since. Kim's so young in body, mind and spirit, and looks, by the way, and she says it's all because she took drastic life changes to get out of her high-powered job in the big American rat race. She's now amongst Reiki healing, teaches how to fall in love with yourself and the big one how to say no kim says she's not creative i of course disagree because well you'll hear for yourself she's created a whole new life from the ground up through healing if nothing else kim has aligned her body in mind body and spirit and she started that through art with her own healing journey and created a coloring book business when it was also new but she just took the next step one step at a time, when she had no idea if it was right. She had literally nothing at one point, in a new state, nowhere near family. She had to start all over with no idea what to do. Kim just knew colouring was helping her for that moment, that minute on that day, not thinking too big, just what it felt like and how good it felt at that time. Listening to her inner thoughts and intuition, her gut and what felt right and good and nourishing. Kim is a Reiki healer, but she's also, after this call, changed my life. As some of you know, I've not been very well a few weeks before when we had this conversation. And I've not been tested yet, but I'm positive it was the coronavirus. I was bedridden for two weeks. And after our chat, Kim did breathwork with me. She's coached me through the Wim Hof method, which some of you may know him. If you don't, you've got to check him out. 
Wim Hof is also known as the Iceman. He's a Dutch extreme athlete noted for his ability to withstand freezing temperatures. He has set Guinness World Records for swimming under ice, prolonged full body contact with ice, and still holds the record for a barefoot marathon on ice and snow. He's done a whole free breathwork app, and I'll put the link in the show notes because what he's saying is this breathwork will strengthen our body through this coronavirus in regards to our inner body strength. Kim did an hour session with me coaching through this method, but Kim also practices baby breath work too, and has done this for years and years, which made me cry when she coached me. It's so powerful, and you can literally feel your body thanking you. Like I said, Kim's so young in mind and body and spirit, and it's because she took drastic life changes, and I know you'll love her stories. So without further ado... Kim... Thank you so much for being on all the way. Where are where are you in LA? I'm in I'm in in LA. I'm kind of outside of LA in in the mountains, kind of in the foothills of the mountains outside LA. Stunning. Yeah. And that weirdly, synchronicity is actually a year since we nearly met. <laughs> we were at the same. I know. I watched you walk up, and I thought, <laughs> oh, I. There's, she's my kind of person, but I just was like, mm, I didn't move. Cause I was like, I don't know what, you know, I just didn't make the move, but I definitely saw you. And yeah. I thought, oh yeah. She's my type of girl. We were yep. at the same um, conference. Would you call it? What would you call it? No, yeah. A, like yeah, a design workshop. Two day, two day inspirational workshop from Kathy Heller. We can say that from don't yeah. keep your day job. That's how we all met. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. And I can't believe weirdly it's a year ago. So yeah, I didn't and we, realize that. I know. I only know because obviously I went over after my birthday and I just remember obviously those days. And yeah, just crazy. Would you please tell everyone a little bit about your story and how you got to heal and be so in tune and aligned? Because um, yes, I can tell you, I don't really know where this all starts except for when I, I've I'm one a person that's a seeker. I mean, some people are seekers and some people aren't. It's like seekers, I think, want to know like what's going on beneath the surface of life. Like what's making everything tick is is how does this all work? How do I fit into this? Who am I? All that stuff. And you know, then you just it's a rabbit hole you can go down. So, but I knew this when I was a little kid. I mean, I think some people just know that there's more going on than than people are telling you or that you're, um, well, I think you're being told not to see what things are actually happening because I mean, I always like, I feel like I knew about ghosts and spirits and all that stuff. Like I just knew I like, no, I, I don't feel like anyone told me I was already connected to that kind of stuff. So I guess I was just always interested in the, that kind of that kind of metaphysical stuff. I grew up in a haunted house. My whole family, we all agree. We grew up in a haunted house from my parents on down. So that was, you know, the um, other world was kind of reinforced in our lives there. It wasn't like we made a big deal of it. We just knew that there was other things in the house besides us that weren't human necessarily. So, um, yeah. And so I, I went to college and uh, I didn't, I don't know. And, you know, I just kind of had a normal life and I graduated college. I got a job. Um, basically, I ended up in a, at a job working at a really large floral gifting garden center. And I started off as a copywriter there. And then I was the creative director for the advertising department for 10 years. And then I got promoted to manage the website. 
And, but during all that time, I was like, I was still like on my seeking journey, trying to figure out like, what's this all about and blah, blah, blah. So what happened that really kind of pushed that forward was I got sick when I was 40. I got a severe case of pneumonia out of nowhere, speaking of being ill. And um, I had, yeah, it was really weird. Uh, My actually, it it turned out it was, came from a friend who had visited from Hawaii and um, a whole bunch of people got sick and, but she had come to visit us in Minnesota and yeah, it was bacterial pneumonia. I went down super hard for six weeks. I honestly thought, I honestly thought this was the closest I ever felt like I was to death. And I had asthma growing up and, you know, still as an adult, I still had lung stuff going on. And honestly, I, it took me, I, I was off work for six weeks and then I could only work part-time for like the next month, I think, cause I was so weak. I was down to like a hundred pounds. I, mm. I weighed like a hundred, normally I'm like 120 to 130. So I was down to like 104 pounds. I was just a skinny little thing. And I was, I was like, it tapped me out. And at that point I was married to a guy who worked for um, Northwest Airlines. So we traveled a lot and we were going to go to Ireland and like, I got sick in like April, May, and we were going to go to Ireland in like September, October. And even September, October, I did not feel like I could make that trip mm. to Ireland because I just was too weak. So I booked us a trip to um, Sedona because I had read about Sedona and I'd wanted to go there. And so we went to Sedona and I couldn't find a place for us to stay. And we ended up at this um, geodesic dome outside of Sedona called the Healing Center. And I'm like, well, I need to heal. So this is the perfect place for us to go. And we get there and it was really far out there. I mean, it was like far out for my husband, who was ex-husband, who was a um, engineering type. And <laughs> we, get, we get there. The woman that booked my um, reservation was named Claire, Clarity. Clarity or something like, I think it was clarity. And I'm like, Ooh, clarity is not clear. She did not seem clear at all. So we get there and my ex, it was like a kind of like communal living. Like it was kind of like, uh, Oh, it was just this really interesting place. We had to share a bathroom. We basically had a bedroom and then there were like common areas. You could use the kitchen, you know, and we'd never stayed any place like that. And my husband was just like blown. It was like, I can't handle this. So we, I'm like, well, maybe we better not stay here. But then it turned out there was a huge conference and there was no other place to stay. So I'm like, you're going to have to suck it up, Buttercup, because we're here. <laughs> so the second day, I he goes in to get us a cup of coffee. It was gorgeous there. He goes in to get us a cup of coffee and he doesn't come back out. And he ends up talking to this guy who um, is some kind of monk. And he's like, I can teach you how to breathe. and or Not breathe. I can teach you how to meditate. And I was like, I'll... I'm here for whatever. I'm like, I feel like I'm the guided to come here. You could tell me like, I'm going to teach you how to rip your, peel your face off your head and put it back on. You'll look 20 years younger. I'd be like, I'm in. (laughs) Because I was like, whatever happens, I know I'm supposed to go here to get something. You know what I mean? It was one of those kind of trips. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I listened to him. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So then we went for a little hike. And again, I'm still really weak and they have vortexes there. And there's one vortex called the airport vortex, which is by the airport. So we went, went there hiking and I got tired very quickly. And I'm like, I sat down and I was looking over this huge valley. Like, you know, I don't, it's all red rocks. It's gorgeous there. And my ex-husband, you know, hiked off somewhere by himself for a little hike. And I just sat there and I was sitting there and I looked down. This is, this is so weird. I looked down in the dirt in front of me and my name is carved in the dirt. What? Yes. Yes. It says Kim. And I'm like, 
holy shit, I am supposed to be here. And so we, we, you know, yeah, we went back, did the, um, and that started my, like a whole thing for me. We did the, um, meditation with that, with that monk guy. And then these people introduced us to a healer, that healer that I've talked to you about, Mm -hmm. who was a homeopathic guy. And he got me well. Um, he, I was on at that point in my life, two inhalers a day, two separate prescriptions, emergency inhaler with me at all times, plus allergy medication at all times. I was just sucking down the steroids. I mean, it wasn't healthy Mm. at all. And uh, so this guy got us totally tuned up, got me off all that stuff. My asthma has basically, I don't, it's gone away. Um, Allergies are pretty much, you know, non-existent and, uh, you know, just got into a way better frame of mind. So, so, but that whole thing kind of snowballed the effect of like the search then, because then once we did the medica- medi- medication, the meditation, um, then we got introduced, I got introduced to a book called The Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. He was connected with um, Course in Miracles. So I can't, but, but, and, but something about Gary, that book, of course, uh, Disappearance of the Universe led me to Byron Katie who yeah. she does something called the work of Byron Katie. So I ended up at one of her, I went by myself to Phoenix for a three day. Well, I didn't, I went there by myself, but then my sister came and joined me with a three day, like retreat with her. And it was pretty profound. So then I decided to sign up and do her the school for the work of Byron Katie. And during that time, uh, what happened? Did I have, I had already learned how to do Reiki. I think by the time I got to the school of the work for Byron Katie, but I did that. Okay. So I did the school for the work of Byron Katie in LA and it's a 10 day thing. And it's really like intense. I mean, you literally get there, Emma, and they, (laughs) they, you don't know, you get there and you go to the orientation and they hand you this packet of, um, you know, thing that you have to sign. And it's like, you're signing up for freaking survivor. Because it basically says, we're not responsible, like, if you die. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm like, and you don't know what you're signing up to. We don't know what you're going to be doing. So it's like, but you're like, okay, well, uh, you know. So, yeah. And and there was some crazy stuff went on during that. But one of the things that happened during that school, this was in 2005. um, One of the things we did every morning is we went for a morning walk. And we were supposed to just be quiet and just see the world. Like we like landed there on a spaceship and we didn't even know where we were and we had no words to describe it or whatever. So it was so hilarious because we had like 150 people at that school and that was a small one. And so they would break us into two groups of like 70 people and we had a walk leader and it was around the LA airport, which is not a beautiful part of LA. It's not. (laughs) It's very industrial over there. Kind of scary in some areas. I mean, it's just, it's weird over there. So we'd go off like little ducklings on our morning walk in silence. And we'd have this leader trailing with 70 people trailing after like little ducklings. It was hilarious. (laughs) So by like the fifth day of the walk thing, we'd been doing all these, you know, uh, exercises to like, basically what you're doing is you're breaking, breaking down your belief systems. You're questioning your belief system. So we'd been doing all these exercises to break down our belief systems and see things differently. And so day five, I walk out the door and instead of my mind, like naming things, like I've never seen them before, my mind just starts every time my foot hits the pavement, I just hear the word love. And it's like, 
love, 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 love. And everything, all of a sudden, everything shifted for me. I'm getting goosebumps. Mm. Um, it, it was like I got in tune with the universe because it was like I clearly could see there is no fucking separation between anything. It's We're all in one big soup. I don't know. There isn't even words to really describe this, but it was like, it was just this feeling. Well, okay, so it was love, love, love. We get in front of this like creepy liquor store with bars on the windows and everything. And we'd walk by it every day and not a great feeling over there. I looked down and there's this tiny fucking little um, flower coming up to a crack in the sidewalk. And I like lost my shit. I'm like, oh my God, it was just like so beautiful. I'm like, look mm. at that life right there. And so, so I, I was in this state of mind for like the, for a while, but through the walk, it was like, the only way I can describe it is like the traffic. Cause there was traffic going in and out of the airport there. It's a major, you know, in and out to get in and out of the airport. The traffic was like poetry. I saw a flag blowing in the the wind. That was like singing. I don't know. It was like, and I felt like no matter what was happening, no matter, like I felt like if someone could have come up and I could have seen somebody murder somebody right in front of me, and that would have been beautiful too. I don't know how else to describe it. It was like just this feeling of like, everything's okay. Everything's happening exactly how it should be happening. And, you know, it's okay. We can trust the underlying energy because it, it's got us. We're in it. We're part of it. We're just like bubbles floating around in this happy bubble thing. I don't know. So, oh so yeah, so I came back. And so this went on, this went on for a while. And so I came back into the building. I remember walking back into the hotel and I saw this great, because I thought, what's going to happen? My mind was just kind of like quiet, but I do remember thinking like, what's going to happen when I go back inside? So I walked inside and there was a grate on the wall. And I was like, it looked so, this is so bizarre too. It looked so textural and beautiful. I was like, it took everything I had not to go up and lick that grate because I want, it just looked alive. And then they had crazy carpet on the floor, you know, like hotels always have that really patterny carpet. (laughs) I was like tripping on that carpet. So I was sitting outside waiting for the room that where we met to open up. And I was literally like on, like on my hands and knees, like looking at the carpet, like, wow, this fucking carpet's amazing. <laughs> and then there was a 17 year old kid there who I had made friends with. He comes crawling over. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, have you seen this fucking carpet? Oh he's, like, he's like, I know. He was having the same experience. Wow. So then we're like tripping out on each other. So it was crazy. So then we got in, we, every day she would ask us, well, how was your walk today? And <laughs> so I was, I was in the front because I'm like, I'm going to get my money's worth. I was in the yeah. front. I put my hand up and I s- described it. I'm like, the flag was blowing and it was like music and everything's okay and blah, 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 you know? And she was like, welcome to reality. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Wow. And then when I went home, that lingered for a little while. Like I had to really be careful because I got into such a, like a, such a beautiful headspace of like understanding like what, where we're really, what's really happening. It was hard for me. Like um, I put my hands on a man's face at work like this to him one day. <laughs> Cause I just like got blown away by him. Yeah. He was talking and I, I just saw past what he, I didn't even hear what he was saying. I'm like, you're so beautiful. And then I was just like, Oh my God, you can't do that at work. Yeah. I mean, it took me a little bit while to get back down to earth, I guess, or, you know, back into the, 
constriction of how we live. So, um, and then you can't chase those kind of experiences, you know, it's like, I've, mm. I've, I've gone in and out of that. I've had it, but now I experience the world maybe on a different level. It's like, I, I do feel that though, that, the, that we are, we're completely supported. We are. Well, how were you, how did people receive that when you came back? Because it, yeah, when, yes. when especially with your husband, because yeah, so I have to really rein it in sometimes about the universe and about my beliefs because people just find it hilarious mm-hmm. and it's because they're quite scared of it. And I was like, oh, oh. yeah. And when now I came home, people are reading a bit more, and it's a bit more into everybody's everyday language, but it wasn't back then, was it? No, and it wasn't even so much that I was coming back all airy fairy, it was coming back. I was a changed person, there's no yeah. doubt about that, but I was, uh, I came back and I think that was probably the beginning of the end of our marriage, honestly. I mean, it, la- it petered on for a little, however many, five more years, probably, or six. But um, um, yeah, he was like, who are you? He's like, you're singing. Because I would be, I was super happy because I was like, just light, you know, because I'm like, there's nothing really to freak freak out about. And so, yeah, no, he, he was, he was freaked out. He was freaked out because I was like a changed person. That's, um, if you listen to the episode on how in the hell did I get here? I I talk about aisle 26. When I flew home from that event, um, I didn't have any makeup on. We didn't, she didn't let us do makeup or anything all the whole time. And by the time I went home, I'm like, I look great. I don't care. You get really used to seeing your own face without anything on it. And so I ended up in aisle 26. I was the first one there. I was by the window and two other guys came and sat down with me. And I was like, you know, welcome to aisle 26. And it was like a 6 a.m. in the morning flight or something. We were, people are groggy. Turns out, anyway, it was a physicist and a sales guy. We talked the entire way, like a four hour flight. And we had the best time in the, <laughs> the sales guy at the end. He goes, he had, they, they both had to change planes in Minneapolis. And he was like, you are such a far out lady. I've never met anybody like you. I have to meet your husband. I have to see who'd be married to you. So I came, oh. literally came off the plane with a guy who wanted to meet my husband. So my, and, oh. and I hadn't talked to my husband really like you, I didn't, hadn't talked to him in like 10 or 11 days. Cause they like, they make you kind of like, you don't have a lot of contact with the outside world. So he's just like, what the hell's happening? And this guy's like, wow, your wife is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and then, so we made a pact that we would always try to sit in row 26 so we could hook up again, all three of us, you know, uh, when we have a flight. So I always do kind of look and see, I always look, if I have to walk by 26, I'm like, are they there? Are they there? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't run into him yet. So. Wow. So yeah, so yeah, I can imagine your husband, your ex, thinking, "What the hell happened?" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he was thinking, "What the hell happened?" I mean, yeah. So he he ended up going to the thing to the school too, but he didn't have the same kind of experience I had, and yeah, there's a whole that's that's his journey. Yeah, exactly. But did yeah. you feel because you are obviously creative? Your job at the time you were creative, so you were creative director. Mm-hmm. Do you feel you were more in tune with that because you are? Or, I mean, you said you've always been open to another world. I mean, did it feel like you come home to yourself almost? Sorry, that's oh. a lot of questions. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. It did feel like I came, it It felt like, um, that's a funny way to put it, to come home to yourself necessarily because it's like, it's more like you realize like there isn't a self, like the story of the self is just a made up thing. So, um, like I do love what 
what Byron Katie says, it's like, you know, it's all a dream, but you don't have to get rid of the good parts. Just question the stuff that's making you crazy. So it's basically like then, like I realize, like we're all just living this identity that's been put on. I mean, the minute we're born, they start to label us. And it's the words that separate everything. I mean, if I look out and I see a tree, it's just part of the landscape till I say tree and then it becomes a separate thing, right? Mm. It's not, I separate it from the whole that it is because it's the words that separate everything. And the minute we're born, they say, it's a girl. She weighs this. She's this long. This is her name. This is our number, you know, this, when all that stuff. So we start to get labeled. So we are, there is like, everything is whole, but the words slice it and dice it into what we believe is our reality. And then we just play with that perception. So it's just, um, I guess coming home to yourself for me would be like understanding the perception that Kim is just a story that is just playing out and, I just have to be as kind as I can to that character. I mean, I am the character, but you know what I mean? I've seen that there's something deeper underneath there. So, you know, it's about loving that. And then also I worry about things sometimes, but there really is no reason to worry. There really ultimately is no reason to worry. I hope I'm not getting like way too esoteric here, but no, no, it's so interesting. Yeah. People will get it who are supposed to get it. And if you don't understand it, just Take what you can use and leave the rest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but people do know about feeling aligned. So so going back to the drugs and being asthmatic, so you came off that. What about, so tell us about that doctor. Did you see him before this trip then? Because you he changed your diet and everything, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the guy that we met in, after I got really sick on the from pneumonia, the guy that we met in Sedona, um, yeah, I, we started working with him then. So I worked with him probably, oh, for a year or so. I also, during that time that I knew him, I had to have, um, I had endometriosis and I had a large tumor, like the size of a orange. And, um, so I had to have that removed and then they wanted to put me, they, they did put me on, um, they wanted to put me on the patch birth control for a year solid, no break. They put me on it for like two weeks. I, I couldn't handle it. I was like Mm. a completely different person. I was crying all the time. I was eating weird food that I didn't normally eat. I didn't feel like myself. I went and saw him and he does that energetic testing and he tested that patch and he was like, throw it away. Um, he's like, he, he did an energetic readjustment on me. Um, you know, gave me something. He used to like give you, he, oh, it was so weird, Emma. He would take a, a vial of distilled water. This sounds kookity kook, but it really worked. And then he would energetically put the frequencies into it that you needed. Then you would go home and either you could hold the vial or I think sometimes you put it in water and drank what was in, the, you know, just dropped it in there, even though it was just distilled water, but it was charged with whatever you needed. And yeah, I got off the, um, I never went on the uh, birth control stuff and I never went back for my checkup because I was fine wow. uh, from that guy. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, he was, it was such an amazing thing what he did because my ex-husband, he was a smoker, a little overweight, you know, not maybe in the best health, but 
after he got on that guy's diet and did everything, he had an appendicitis attack. And they, I, I told you guys this in the group, they like, they said to me, he has got like the skin hit. They said his skin and tissues were like the skin of like a, and like muscular and everything of a 20 year old. They wanted to, they did the surgery in the middle of the night because it was an emergency thing. And when I came in at like nine the next morning, they're like, you can take him home. I'm like, I'm not taking him home. <laughs> like, I, I get, they're like, he's in such good shape. We, we don't really need to keep him here. And he's like, they have cable. I'm going to stay. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want you to stay. Cause I'm not, I'm like, I got to get my head around this and figure, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, he was like, it, it didn't even hardly phase him. And they, the, they, I remember the two surgeons came in and they're like, we have never seen anybody in the kind of shape. He, he was like in his forties. And they're like, we've never seen anybody in such great shape. What, do, what does he do? And I'm like, we don't really do anything except for this one diet, this diet. You know, we, we eat really healthy and we take some supplements. That's it. So what was his diet then? Goat, was it raw? Uh, um, enzymes? I know you told me to have more enzymes and, yeah, we, and probiotics. Uh, yep. It, it's more about... Um, the diet was super restrictive in the beginning, but it's basically more about... Um, you know, I think now you could easily kind of do this if you look at my, what, what that Michael Pollan says, that guy that writes about everything. He says for food, if your grandma couldn't eat it, don't eat it. Mm. It's more about like, yeah, it was more raw. We were trying to eat more raw and it was, there was things in there about food combining. Like we didn't combine, um, I still try not to do this. You don't combine your meat with your grains. Like meat and potatoes is not a good combination because your gut has a really hard time, um, mm. uh, uh, you know, breaking that down when they're together. So if you look up food combining, it's kind of interesting what you'll find. But so you want to always have like meat with like a green vegetable. Um, there we took he we didn't we couldn't have potatoes. I mean there was like he took out most of the starches. I mean it was very very restrictive from the beginning. But the man who taught us the meditation and his girlfriend at the time, they were both on it and we could see that it was, you know, it was helping them. She had had her thyroid removed when she was like 10 and had had all sorts of trouble because of that. Because, you know, that your thyroid is your fifth chakra. So you take that out, you're out of whack for, you know, but she was off all of her thyroid medicine and purely handling it by what he was having her do through the diet. And then, yeah, we were taking... um, enzymes, probiotics, and then a product like a bowel product, like a fibery, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically because, you know, all disease comes from inflammation. Wim Hof says that I should teach you how to breathe after we get done here. And, and what you, and then there's also a belief that a lot of your, all disease, a lot, not a lot, all disease comes from your gut. So if you keep your gut healthy, then it, and not have inflammation in the gut, which is caused by the crap we can eat, which is all this processed stuff and mm-hmm. stuff that's been GMO and treated and all that stuff. It's not good for you. So, um, so yeah, we were eating basically organic. We were getting our food. We bought a share in an organic farm. Um, you can do that in the United States where the guy, like during the growing season, he would bring us a big box of vegetables and um, you, and you just had to figure out what to do with those vegetables. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, amazing. Well, you but they say, don't they, that your stomach is a different, you've got two minds, they say, don't they, that your stomach is its own mm-hmm. mind. 
And you do right. carry stress in your stomach. That's why some people put on weight. Some people lose weight. Irritable bowel syndrome, all yeah. that stuff. Yep. And then that's also like, that's all your stomach is your, you know, if you look at the chakras again, mm. your stomach is your personal power area. And so if you're having problems there, then that's something about how you're going through life is like, you're not feeling your personal power. Right. Mm. And like I, my thing has always been my lungs. So I find this croak. COVID-19 to be a really interesting thing because if you look at it's affecting the lungs of the it's affecting the lungs of people right lungs are about grief it's always about grief so this makes sense to me that that disease would be affecting the lungs and killing people through the lungs because we're we should I mean it's like we're we're people are dying for the planet because we're they're at a deep level we know we know that we've hurt the planet and that we're part of the problem, you know? So it's like the planet is grieving and so are we. And then of course, what's that going to cause when more people die? We then grieve more. Mm. It's so it's a really interesting time. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so not funny. It's strange though that it's so uh, across social media, obviously my group of friends are going to be aligned to your beliefs and my beliefs, but I have a lot of friends that are old school friends or family that aren't. Right, and right. even they are posting, maybe this is what we need. Maybe, you know, I think mm-hmm. just generally everybody has a similar kind of, like you say, in your gut, in your, not, it, everybody kind of knows like, mm, this could be good, or this deeper yeah. sense, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and even I've seen people on TV, I don't watch you, but I've tuned in the last couple of days because it's just been so crazy and happened so fast. And the general kind of census of everybody has just been like, mm, yeah. I don't know. It's almost not like people are, obviously it shocked everyone. It's not that, but there's this deeper sense, isn't there? And this kind of like, "Mm, maybe this will be for the better. Maybe it's what they need. Obviously it's horrendous if families are going through all of this and it's just, just horrendous. Oh yeah. But we've got to think, and, and we have got to think of the positive of it all. Um, yeah, like you know, if what if it's happening for us, not to us? Yeah. I love that question. Yeah, and the other question are you okay in this moment right now? That's a really good mm. question to ask now, even if you have to ask it every five seconds. Just keep yourself sane, you know, like, am I okay in this moment now? And then really check in with yourself. Like I said earlier, when we were talking, you know, it's like, if you can't find anything, you're sitting on a freaking chair, the floor's beneath your feet, the house is holding you up, mm-hmm. you know? And like, if <laughs> I love that thing where like Byron Katie says, if you fall, the floor is there for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all in how you look at it. I mean, you know, and we know that panic and fear and stress and all that stuff that doesn't build your immune system up. No, it, exactly. It, it goes takes it in the opposite direction so the more joyful gratitude laughter all that stuff is way important right now Mm. super important yeah my energy shift for my mind when I do get panicky is gratitude because it's the quickest way and I literally Mm -hmm. um, either do it with my children in the morning or at night I'm grateful for my hands working I'm grateful for you know since well you know I broke my foot after Christmas and it's like I'm grateful for this I'm grateful now I can move like this is awful at the moment I've got some work stops like all of us all our businesses have taken a massive hit that's why we have to talk about it it is the elephant in the room and that's why I want to do this other than it just being the podcast that I've constantly pre-recorded because it just doesn't fit at the moment. Our minds, 
we're all kind of either frozen or panicking and it's like we have to bring it back I have to go on I have to think of what am I grateful for okay mm-hmm. I can't move my family are alive right. you know and we've got to go back and to you're basics, with family yeah and you're exactly. with family I mean it's like you're you have people to hug the, yes. And you have people to yes. hug you. I mean, that's yeah. a big deal because there are a lot of people that are by themselves right now and that's got to be scary. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just giving a shout out to all you people who are alone. Come hang out with me and Emma. Yes. 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 Come hang out with us. Yeah. And also I'm grateful that we've got this technology. 10, 15 yes. years ago, we wouldn't have this. No. No, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have be been. Able to well, we would have had Skype, but it would have been like, oh, you're frozen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes. <laughs> Although somebody oh. worried me the other day and said, what if the internet stops? <laughs> no, I know. It's, but I don't think, I, I think that's not going to happen. But did you hear this? I, re- I heard, read an interesting thing last night about how, you know, they're saying that some countries are way, either they're not testing or they're way under um, reporting their numbers, right? Yeah. This was in Wired magazine. They said, oh no, we know where, we know where it's, where the illness is. And we know if they, they said China's not back online because, you know, they can tell by the internet usage. Oh. Yes, they can tell. They they said Malaysia said they had 129 cases. They said that's not what it's showing for how the internet is being used. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, the spikes in all the people tuning into Netflix and all that stuff. Yeah. They, they can see that. So that it, yeah. So I'm like, that is so freaking awesome because as scary as technology can be, I really think there is so much positive um, potential and possibilities for us to use technology in amazing ways. So that's, that's just another way that, you know, it's getting harder to lie about things because you can track it more because there's stuff tracking it. So, wow. Can we talk about your coloring books and when they were born and your idea? Because that's so healing. Yes. Okay. So we can talk about the coloring books. So the coloring books came about, I have to back up a little bit. So after my story of the whole got well and everything, and then I ended up leaving my husband um, in 2010 and I went on this crazy journey, which I'm going to talk about in a future podcast. And anyway, everything in my life, except for my health, pretty much turned into a shit show. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. What do you guys say? Everything went tits up or everything yeah, went pear shaped. We, <laughs> everything went pear shaped. We do say shit show as well. <laughs> but I love it when you guys say, oh, it all went pear shaped. And I'm like, yes, it went pear shaped in a big way. So I lost everything except for, I mean, I kind of lost my mental health for any emotional health. My physical health stayed good. And um, I was bouncing around the country. And I ended up, I I ended up, first of all, I was, I got left in California with some people I had known like two weeks and, and I had no money and it was crazy. And then I ended up at my sister's and I ended up back coming back out to California and going back to those people's house. And I was there for like 13 months then. And about 10 months in, I'm like, I am losing my mind. And I, cause it was, it was hard there. And I'm like, I got to do something. I, I'm like, I need a hobby. They didn't even have, I don't think we had the internet for a long time. They didn't have it. 
They didn't even really know about it. They didn't use it. So finally they got the internet. But until that point, I just had a lot of time on my hand because I had I was pinned down. I had no money. I had no prospects. I had nothing. I was with these people. I was, you know, well, they were helping from, me. To go from the job that you had and then to yes. go to that. What yes, happened? my whole life. It, well, yeah, it was like I woke up, I went to bed one night in my normal life. And then like the next day I woke up in my life, this is what it felt like anyway. It happened a little slower than that, but not much. It was like what we're kind of living through now where my life was like completely changed and there was really nothing. I had no touchstones. There was really nothing I had that would help me. So I'm just going to say this was around the time that I started smoking pot for the first time in my life. (laughs) And thank God I did because I think it really helped me heal a lot of things like in my physical brain. I mean, I think it really did. And uh, so, but anyway, at, at a certain point, I'm like, I have to do something. So I literally Googled what are the top hobbies or what are, what's a good hobby? I mean, I just couldn't. Uh, yeah, I need to process your thoughts. Right, right. I'm like, I need help. Mm. So the first one that came up was parkour. And I'm like, oh, fucking hey, that parkour is some cool stuff. I'm like, I can't do that. I'll kill myself. But I'm like, I wish I could. Then the second thing that showed up was Zentangle. And I like looked at it. I looked at it maybe for like 20 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, I used to do this kind of stuff when I was in high school. So I started drawing. And then, um, and then my mind started giving me, I started seeing pictures and and I'm not an artist. I'm not an artist. I mean, I'll, I can draw hearts and circles and squares and I can fill them with shit. That's, (laughs) that's how I do it. But you know, it's, I guess it's art. I don't know. It is, it is. is. It's kind of like, um, Americana or someone said it's kind of, I don't know what whimsical. Yeah. You see, I'm creative, but I couldn't do coloring books and I couldn't do, you know, when people do, um, how do you say them? Mandalas. Mandalas. The two, I can't do the kind of reflection and it's too mathematical for me. Do you see what Um, I mean? I I will tell you about how I did my mandalas. This is a funny story too, but okay. So anyway, so I start drawing and then I'm just like sharing my stuff and then it went on and on and on and I'm drawing my ass off and it's keeping me sane and helping me a lot. And it helped me get out of the situation I was in because I was like, I was in a bad relationship there and things weren't good there and I had to go, but I didn't have any money. And so I literally, some friends and family sent me some money so I could leave. But I mean, not enough to get me anywhere because I, and I was like, Emma, I was like, I don't care if I have to freaking sit on the side of the highway and try to sell my little artwork. I don't care. I have to get out of here. (laughs) So, um, so I, I ended up in an, I ended up somewhere and I just kept doing the artwork. And then eventually people were kept saying, you know, you should do a coloring book. And so in 2015, I think I put out the first coloring book and then I put out like 23 more coloring books. And, um, yeah. And so I did do mandalas and the way I did them is I quarter sectioned, like I would, I would, there was a, there's a thing you can make mandala, like a mandala base kind of online. So I would just print off a base then I would draw a quarter of the mandala and then uh, yeah. replicate it through Photoshop because there's no fucking way I could have done I could have done that whole thing. No, the mathematical part of it, no way. I would have been like tied up in knots. Yeah. But um, that is why I have two books of mandalas that's called, um, one is 
perfectly imperfect because they are, they are, they're not right. I, some of them are all screwed up and I thought, I don't care because yeah. I don't actually, mandalas kind of make me nuts because of the perfection. Mine are not perfect. Yeah. I have that one and fun and fanciful. They're also not perfect. I mean, they're, they're not, it's, there's, there's not always symmetry in my mandalas. So interesting when you're creative, isn't it? Some people have to have things perfect. And for me, I'm like, oh no, I can't have it. (laughs) My coloring books are totally the do it messy. Yeah, they are. They are. And, you know, it looks like a child. Some of them look like literally like a four-year-old drew this stuff. (laughs) And it probably was my inner four-year-old at the time. I mean, you know, so we know what I did. I I didn't know what to do with myself because I was back in L.A., and I was like, again, had gone through another weird situation. And um, so I challenged myself to do a blog, a, a doodle a day with an accompanying blog post on Medium. This was in 2015. So I challenged myself to do 30 straight days, which I did. And then I went back and I wrote a little blog with each piece that I drew. I draw it and then I'd write about it. And then the, then the next, uh, then I did 60 days. I did 30 more days where I colored everything I drew and then wrote about that. So there's 60 days worth of like doodle a day out there somewhere on medium. Yeah. And that, those uh, drawings basically became the first coloring book. So, you know, yeah, it was just, and you know, it just helped me. I just needed something. I just needed a reason to show up every day for myself. So that's what I did even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing and that it, so the coloring books kind of took me down a path and then doing coloring books is a lot of work and it's really hard to uh, make a living and you, it's a miracle if you can and, you know, bully to all those people. But um, that kind of, that led me to the coloring book coach whole deal of, so I could talk to people more about this kind of stuff and what I know and how to, you know, and help people to get free from their own thoughts their own stressful stuff well it's just an amazing story and you just showing up for that every day is grounded in yours well it's funny because this is what I'm doing now maybe it is from meeting you I don't know this week I was like I don't know how to code right I want to do an affirmation every day this week and I want to do a collage with my children and can people hashtag which you've done and I don't know maybe that is since I've met you or it was just like I don't know how to cope with this but if I could just show up and do that every day then I feel I've achieved something because we're in Mm -hmm. that fight or flight aren't we it's like I need to do something need to do something but I can't do anything you know I can't go for a a good thing I'm, I should do like a coloring challenge, like co- challenge yeah. people to like um, color at least one picture every day and then put it up. Yeah, that would be amazing. Because coloring that- is good. It, it really, I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought that, but it's freaking, it saved me in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gave me it, purpose again. It just shows the power of creativity in art because it is popping up everywhere this last week, mm-hmm. you know, communities that don't normally do and with everyone wanting to homeschool, well, having to homeschool at the yeah. moment. There's lots of activities. So yeah, you definitely should. And it's really helping me at the moment because my days are so scrambled now. And it's like, right, okay, I've got to make yeah. sure tomorrow. Because you I could show do it with up. your kids. You yeah, could exactly. you could sit down and do it with your kids. Yeah. Amazing. Just color a page a day. So for you, you you've done obviously the coloring book to heal you, and then you were doing Reiki, is that right? Did you Oh yeah. I started the Reiki and Okay. So that's another story. So after, 
after I met the monk, after I was really sick when I was 40, um, I'm super intuitive. I've always been like, I had a personal psychic when I was like in my twenties, I met her through my hairdresser and oh, this is a crazy story. I was at my hair, my hairdresser had a party. Um, that's not, that goes, of course I meet this woman. We become fast friends, my hairdresser. And she is like the sweetest, one of the sweetest people I know. And I haven't talked to her in a few years, but I could call her up right now and we'd be talking just like we always did. Um, so we met when we were like 19 and she, this was like 10 years later and I'm at her house for a party and she, she married a Filipino man and she hands me this bone China, um, teacup. And, um, I look at it and she goes, my mother-in-law gave this to me, look at it through the light. And you can like, have you ever seen these? There's like a, there's like a picture of a person in the China. No, It's like, you see an actual person, like a little black and white photograph when you hold it up to the light. And when I saw the picture and felt the cup, I was like, this cup has got evil in it. And I wanted to smash it. And I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And then she's like, oh, you got to talk to, you know, my friend who's coming. She's a psychic. And she had the same reaction. She picked up the cup and she just put it right back down. She goes, there's death associated with this cup and not in a good way. I don't want to blah, 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 you know, whatever. And so then I started working with her and I was like, you know, I know things. And so she would tell me, you know, I still do stuff like this. Like I try to figure out like how many spoons are in the drawer, you know, like when I open them up, I would, she would just, so she kind of guided me. And then I was just always interested in that. And so when I was, I don't know, in my, after I did the meditation and stuff, I ended up at Lilydale, New York, because I'd read a story about Lilydale. It's called Lilydale, the town that talks to the dead. And it's, there's a book and it was written by a skeptical uh, reporter from Texas who did not believe in this, that this place really was what it said it was. And what it is, is it's the spiritualism capital of the United States, maybe the world, and spiritualists believe you can talk to the dead. Basically, they're mediums. And it's Mm -hmm. a little private town in upstate New York that's only open to the public three months out of the year in the summer. You have to pay to go visit it. And if you live there, you have to prove your abilities as a medium. It's like, a, wow. yeah, it's a big deal. And so they've got like, I don't know. I think when I was there, they had like 50 or 70 or something licensed mediums. They just live in the town that the whole town is that. So can you imagine what that would feel like? Oh my God. So, <laughs> so at this point in time, I really wanted to hear from my dad who died when I was six. I felt like, I just felt like I, like he had a message for me and I have an aunt who died when she was 44 and I was in my probably t- late twenties and and friends. And so I was just like, I need to go there. So I went there and we were staying at a boarding house in there. And it was just it was me and my ex-husband and all women. You can imagine there's a lot of women that go there. And I'm <laughs> sitting, we're sitting there. We've been there like two hours and this lady, this big, huge kind of imposing lady. She had like a lot of energy too. She was, but she was big, but energetically also big. Mm. She comes swooping up to me and she was like, you. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she goes, why aren't you using your gifts? And I'm like, I'm, that's why I'm here. And then she said, you have so many angels around you. You have, you have these gifts. You need to do this. You need to learn Reiki. And I was like, who is this lady? And she was just staying there. But, um, wow. so yeah. So I kind of did follow what she said. And when I came home, I did learn Reiki. And then when I I took the first Reiki level one. It was a weekend class, like 
I threw two or three days or something. And at the end, we practiced on each other. And the minute I laid my hands on this woman, I immediately knew like a lot about her. Wow. I was like, uh-huh. And I was like, and I just started telling her, and I don't do this. I don't talk to you now during your Reiki's session until the end usually. Um, but I didn't know. So I was just like, oh my God. Because immediately I touched her back and I went, oh my God, you are not being supported in your life. And she was started crying and she was mm. like, how do you know? And I said, your body's telling me, or I just know. And I'm like, and like her, I'm like, your husband's not supportive. You're getting it. Work is hard. I'm like, what's going on with your kids? And she was just like, who are you? And I'm like, oh I don't God. know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then it was like, honestly, it was like, I felt like the Reiki. Well, they do say like, you have that attunement, that energetic attunement. Um, it's like, they turn on the key of like open up your intuition or for me, I felt like it was like the permission that I finally got to like go, okay, yeah, I can tap into this now, you know, like, so yeah. And then, so that just started happening and yeah. And then it just, my intuition I think has just increased. It just continues to increase. Honestly, I I think, you know, and I'm, I, I don't feel like, I mean, I've, it's been rare that I've been wrong with intuition in terms of like working with people with Reiki. I mean, Mm. I I can't even think of any, there was one time I had the, I had a name, but I didn't get the right person. And then the lady was like, Oh, that is not my husband. And I'm like, okay, let me try this again. And then I, it was so weird. And then I got him. It was like a really weird, it was like a John Smith was the name or something like that. So I had to, I don't know what happened, but I did not get, I, somebody else got a healing for me that day. So weird. Wow. So weird. Yeah. And my weird gift is I can tap into people like Alzheimer's, in a coma, dementia, kids that can't pre-verbal, can't speak, or can't speak for other reasons. Um, wow. Yeah. Any reason like that where you can't get to talk to your person, I can tell you what's going on. And um, like Alzheimer patients, amazing. Really? They're having an amazing, you know what they are? I, I've never had one that I've worked with. This hasn't been the case. It's like they are living in their memories and they're living in their best memories. Oh. Yeah. It's so crazy. They're like, they're reliving like the beautiful moments of their life. And even though um, they can appear to be in pain, like they're people, like they're, I've worked with, um, children with Alzheimer patient parents. And they're like, but you know, we can tell she's in pain. I'm like, she's, she's barely aware of the body. She's so far into white, like just the beautiful highlights. It's not really, she's not there. They're not really, they're in their body, but they're not. They're like in, they're down in the memories and just having like, they're at the beach, they're baking pies in the kitchen with their kids. I mean, I've seen so many, they show me scenes of what's going on. There was one um, man who his wife called and she's like, you know, he's on his way out and can you see what's going on? And I was like, man, he showed me skiing on mountaintops. All this turned out to be true. And I said, I said, he showed me, um, putting up a train under a Christmas tree for his kids. And (laughs) when I was talking to her, she was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, why? And she goes, well, his boys are grown. Um, But 
one of them just called two days ago and said, do you think dad kept that train that he gave us for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know about the train. So I'm always like, I get the info and I'm always like, okay, this isn't, I just tell people straight up. I'm like, I don't, this doesn't mean anything to me, but it might mean something to you. And it usually yeah. does. Yeah. Well, you've been like that in our group sometimes, haven't you? With one of us, if we're having a bad time, you're like, oh, I'm sensing this with you. And that's like across the well, world. Yeah. Did, you know, before it's all just energy. Of this, right. So, so it sounds like you had your first awakening where all kind of aligned in your forties. What about before then? Were you out of sorts then? Were you kind of in a yeah, like my twenties and being 30s. aligned? Were you in this like anxious state? I think um, yes, I wasn't. People a... that will be in that time now, that state now. Right, right, right. So in my twenty, yeah, in my twenties and thirties. Well, obviously, I think we're trying to figure out what's going on, and then mm. of course, I was trying to live the American dream because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, I went to college and came out with huge student loans, and then that's basically indentured service. So I had to go to to work, and um, what I think I was doing, I think I was living way out of integrity during that time of my life to do who I am now. Um, I think I was like living, like I was more extroverted and I was putting forth a lot of effort to be that person. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, and it was very draining in the, in retrospect. So um, I got married when I was 21. The first time I've been married twice. And I was married to that person until I was like 31, 30 or 31. And you know, and that was my first kind of big wake up call. Like, wow, I'm really unhappy. And I'd had a hard childhood and, you know, things were hard in our house. And so I ended up in going to therapy in my early thirties, I started therapy and, you know, that was helpful. So that was still to me, part of the journey of seeking, I think is still to get your mind right, figure yes, out, yes. figure out what's going on up there. Cause we all have demons and, and therapy was helpful um, I, w- I also went to a support group for a while and that stuff was all helpful, but I think it, the more helpful thing was, um, working with, honestly, when I went to the Byron Katie thing, I mean, I had some really strong beliefs that were not good for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had one that was really like, like we've all had this, I think where we believe something and it's like stalks you. You know what I mean? Like it's a scary belief and it's like stalking you Mm. and it's like, and so what you try to like, Oh, don't think it or don't let it in your head or, you know, don't go there. But then you see things in your life and it's constantly reminding you of it. And then it's like, I was getting very shame filled about myself about this. Cause I'm like, how could I believe this as a, you know, why is this in my head? So really, I mean, I had a huge breakthrough even at that three day event at the Byron Katie thing where I sat with a woman who I never saw again and she told me her biggest secret and I told her mine. And by the end of it, we were laughing because we saw not fucking true. I mean, mine was true, but true in a different way than I ever saw it was true. It was true in a very beautiful way. And I was like hurting myself with it. Well, we live secret. in shame, don't we? That's what yes, I was right, right. I was completely shamed, and I'm like, oh my god, you know. So, and then when I was like, when I realized what the truth of it was, I'm like, 
oh my God, that's actually really beautiful. I'm actually, that's really a beautiful thought that I had. It got all twisted because of societal shit. This is the thing, uh, people, so whether people think this is woo-woo or it's not, we all agree. This is why Brené Brown's done so amazing and she's fantastic. It's because she's a doctor for a start, so immediately she she gets on stage and people are there listening because she's she's studied this for years. But when she talks about shame, like, none of us realised how much those words stay and our belief systems stay forever. And those first seven years... Um, uh-huh. it, have you read, oh, what's it called? The Le- the Big Leap? I'm, yeah, I haven't finished it. It's fantastic. <laughs> but that's about our belief system. And, and it's what we're told at the yes. beginning when we're growing up. Like, yes. I was always told, well, my cousins called me Shirley Temple. And I immediately thought, oh, God, I'm too much. So I need to back down. You know, don't don't talk uh-huh. over your brother. Don't. And then, uh-huh. you know, all these things yeah, that were shamed. told as children no, and shamed. Too. Um, And we don't realise how we all carry that. And I thought it was just me or certain few people until you realise, no, we've all got that. Every single person has certain benchmarks and certain barriers. And and that's not about being woo-woo or anything. And that's what I love about these last few years since learning with Brene Brown. People are waking up to that. And and, yeah. and the thing is with counselling, I went to counselling 15 years ago. I had panic attacks. I mean, now I know. I didn't used to know. I didn't use, I thought I had a breakdown. But now I know it wasn't. I had imposter syndrome. I took a big... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's shame yeah. turned way up. I came mm-hmm. from a working class um, background and all of a sudden I've got this amazing design manager job. I was only 27. Who am I to be doing this? I shouldn't be yeah. doing this. And everyone kept saying in the job, you're doing fine, you're doing fine. And I was like, how can I be showing these designers to do a job when they're twice my age? And But I didn't know what imposter syndrome was right. at that time. So You just knew that you didn't feel right because you're like, I can't, it's, I can't be doing this. It's just, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Oh, Emma, so, I've had that too. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is we, we change our, we know we can, we need to change our body shape and get fit in that way, but we don't think about our minds and we have to, there's nothing wrong with going to counselling. There's nothing wrong with developing our minds and moving. And we no. all have those people in our lives that actually should have, you know? Yes, but we're not, you know, we're not taught this in school. We're not no. taught to take care of our mental or emotional health. No. I mean, we're taught to be workers, basically. You know, it's like we're, it's not even cool to talk about this stuff, mental health and emotional health. I have a friend that was shamed last year because she she went counselling. Her family members said, well, I find it a little bit self-absorbed. Like, what? She's a mum oh. of three, actually. Mm-hmm. She should be looking after. Actually, it's quite selfish you guys not going for it, you know? Yes. Because they hey. definitely needed it. Guess um, what? You know the lady that said that, that about it's self-absorbed? Guess what mm, she is? Yeah self-absorbed it's there here's something if if you take nothing away from this remember when people are talking smack about somebody else they're talking about themselves you can get huge insight into some who someone is by how they speak about others oh wow think about it because you can't see something that isn't in you Mm. so how would i see how would you know if i call you jealous that's because i'm a jealous person i have that in me you can't see something that's not in you it's your perception, you, you know, if I don't have the perception of jealousy, I'm not going to see it in people. Wow. 
Yes. But if I'm, if I have the perception of self, if I am self-absorbed and maybe I feel a little bit bad about it and, or I've been shamed about it, I'm going to project it out to somebody else. Well, not me, maybe, but I might, you know. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's a huge thing. Huge. Like listen to your leaders, listen to our political leaders and what they say mm. and how they talk about other countries and i mean this just goes back to like you can tell good people by how they treat a waiter basically or or help staff you know what i mean but if they're if but we all do this sometimes but if you get really aware of it you won't do it as much because you realize like i'm talking about myself talking Mm -hmm. about myself like you know that person's selfish oh guess what i am the selfish one do you know that's massive that is massive, massive, massive yeah. and it's so eye-opening. You can change a whole relationship just knowing that because yeah. all of a sudden it, you can go from, um, well, because what usually happens is like if you're around somebody and they're like that, or maybe they're not always like that, but they are sometimes, you can go from having judgment about them when you're listening to them to shifting to compassion because all of a sudden you realize like this person doesn't like themselves, yeah. you know, and then it's like, okay, I see what's going on here. You know, you're, I see. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Oh, that's healing in itself, knowing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good thing to know. We're talking to ourselves and about ourselves. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks so much, Kim, for sharing all of your. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. Yes. Thank you. So can you tell us where we can all find you, please, Kim? If you want to come hang out with me, I have the, I have podcasts. I have three podcasts. If you need life advice, go visit How to Fall in Love with Yourself Toolkit. Um, and that is, I, every month I look at the month and I give you five affirmations for the month, one for the month, one for every week of the month. And then I talk about what those affirmations mean and how the, you can apply that wisdom to your week and the whole month. And (laughs) we're in week three of March. And for this week, the affirmation that I chose is, I'm going to swear, Emma, Breathe motherfucker from Wim Hof. And I choose these completely randomly. Okay. But this is so appropriate, guys. So anybody that's listening right now, if you don't know who Wim Hof is, go look him up on YouTube immediately. And if you are worried about the COVID-19, start doing his method um, because he has, he is a badass and he has been proven. It's, he's proven that we can control our immune system proven through scientific research. So please go check him out. But I'm like, I'm like, last week's was only light can, um, only light can drive out. No, what is the one? It's Martin Luther King. Dark cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. So that's like, that was appropriate too for where, mm. where we were going. But this week, I think breathe motherfucker. And then if you go to my website, um, the coloringbookcoach.com, you'll see that uh, podcast right there at the top. Click on it, and then I also talk about there's a freebie. Um, you can get the Breathe Motherfucker coloring sheet, which is available on my – just go to the freebies on my website. And then I have two other web, uh, two other podcasts, How in the Hell Did I Get Here, which I, is the um, – it's a really funny podcast that I do with my four sisters, and it's just all like how in the hell did I get here stories that we've had in our life because my way of dealing with um, shit in my life has been like 
whatever's going on, I'm always like, oh my God, I'm going to have a story for this. I'll come in out the other side if I live. And I've <laughs> lived every time so far. I mean, so, and, and I have, I don't know if I'm a person that has more crazy things happen to them or if I just look at life that way. Cause I think I do look at life that way. Cause I like to, I like to share absurd things as you'll hear. And so do my sisters <laughs> on the podcast. She's so, so good. Thanks. And then I'm starting the um, third podcast, but I, I'm still working on that, getting that one going. But the tr- there's a trailer and a kind of an explanation out there. And it's called Tell Me Your Secret, which is where I listen anonymously to your secrets. Um, and it's a service. We'll have to see if I'm going to still do it as a service. I'll have to see. But um, basically, I just want you to call and tell me your secrets. I'll give you 20 minutes to tell me a secret. And it's just going to be raw. It's anonymous. I take out any identifiers. I have, I think, I have one episode for sure done, and I have um, a few others where people have written their secrets to me. So, um, and if I can't get more, there's, I found a secret thread on Reddit. <laughs> so I might go in there and just pull some of those people's secrets off there. So we'll see. But um, if you want to tell me a secret, go to tellmeyoursecret.club. Like Amazing. join the tellmeyoursecret.club. So yeah, that's it. And so I'm at thecoloringbookcoach.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and yeah, pretty much that. I just don't know how you fit it all in, Kim. It's amazing. I don't know how either really when I'm sitting here thinking about it. It's like, oh, but you know, it's good. I stay busy. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, Kim. Well, thank you, honey bunny, for inviting me. So how great is Kim? Like I said earlier, after that, Kim did breathwork with me and wow, I felt like I'd been in a retreat for a month. So here's some of Kim's takeaways. Number one, seeking counselling or any professional help is another form of being healthy and growing. Number two, listen to your inner body. Your gut doesn't lie. Number three, colouring books are great for healing. You don't have to overthink it. It's just for you. Number four, you just need to know the next step. Number five, fall in love with yourself. Your body and health will thank you for it. Number six, learn to say no. If it's not serving you, you're not going to help others. Number seven, you can't think of a negative of someone that's not already in yourself. Number eight, shift negative thoughts to compassion. Number nine, Stories and laughter always get you through. Number 10, breath work is the daily work. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is truly precious. If you like the sound of this show and you have a creative friends or people with a burning passion and desire to keep on making and developing who you think would enjoy this, then please let them know about us. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Creative Ways Podcast and join our private Facebook group, which is a safe space to talk all things creative and leave me a comment and tell me what you love and who you would like me to get on the show. I'm trying to help people get out of their own way and get inspired and of course make a living. So if you like the sound of this, then please subscribe on iTunes as I want this message to reach all of those who need it. And your review really does help with this. Have a great week and stay safe, friends.